Welcome to Firearms Trainers Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Beckman. Our podcast is part of the ConcealedCarry.com network brought to you by XS Sites, built right here in the USA. Today, we'll be talking about National African American Gun Association, how to educate responsible gun owners. We bring you this podcast, support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearm Trainers Association. Visit their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about their instructor coverage they offer and their competitive pricing. Receive a special 10% off on your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is also brought to you by the team at Mountain Man Medical. Responsible fire instructors have trauma medical gear on the range and are trained to use it. Mountain Man Medical provides the highest quality name brand medical gear on the market at a guaranteed lowest price. Check out the Wind River Kit, especially designed for firearm instructors to have at the range. The Yellowstone is perfect to have on your belt or in your bag anywhere you go. Learn more at mountainmanmedical.com and scroll to the bottom and click on available discounts to learn how firearm instructors can save 15% off the already guaranteed lowest prices on the market. And don't forget to click on the training link to take the emergency trauma response video course for free. Get the right gear and the right training at the best price anywhere on mountainmanmedical.com. Today, we're joined by Phil Smith from the National African American Gun Association. Welcome, Phil, and thanks for coming on the podcast today to share with our listeners. Hey, thanks. Uh, Excited to be here, and thanks for having me. Great. Before we dive into uh, the questions I have for you, can you give our listeners a little bit about your background and you know sure, what sure. brought you here today? Yeah, I'm born and raised, bred and buttered in a little town called Vallejo, California, which is Northern Cal, about 30 miles north of Oakland, San Francisco Bay Area. Um from the south side of Vallejo, uh, blue collar neighborhood. Loved the uh, the neighborhood I was coming up. Very good upbringing. Very diverse um, folks from all types of backgrounds. Um, um, just loved the you know my, my background as a child. Uh, after high school, went to, went ahead and went to UC Davis and UC Berkeley. Graduated, double major. Um, worked in the IT field as as a HR recruiter and biotech recruiter for a number of years in the in Silicon Valley as well as San Francisco area. Really enjoyed it, but then I fell in love and met a country girl and uh, got married. And next thing you know, she moved me down south in 2002. And that's when the world changed uh, as I knew it. And um, I'll be honest with you, I went from a West Coast experience to a Southern, definitely a Southern culture uh, in terms of how people interact on a daily basis. And it was, it's was it been very positive. When I came down, I had a perception of firearms from a California prism or perspective and um, I was challenged by seeing very good folks, black, white, and otherwise, that liked guns and were good folks. Um, male, female, white, black, Asian, Latino, but they all had guns. And I had a lot of experience with these folks working with them. Um, and finally, uh, one day at the, at, at the job, it was, uh, I think, a Monday. And two of the guys I worked with said, hey, Phil, well, you know, do you want to come to the range? And uh, I said, nah, I, I don't shoot any guns. You know, that's something I don't do. <laughs> and they're like, man, why don't you, you got to come. You got to come. And I'm like, nah. And these guys are literally, they bugged me from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And by Friday, I was like, okay, I'll go. And I did it, to be honest, just to get them off my back. And uh, fast forward next day, Saturday, I'm there at 930 in the morning, signing my waiver forms, of course, and going through the, you know, the orientation. And um, make a long story short, I had a great time. One of the best times I've ever had in my life. Um, with the, with myself and the two guys, and they uh, really exposed me to 
firearms for the first time and uh, I shot everything. I rented AR, AK, 357. I was doing the dirty, hairy thing. I was uh, just had a blast. I was there for three hours and my, my hand was literally sore. But I was happy. And I said to myself, you know what? I had such a good time. I'm going to come back next week and try it again by myself. And next week I came by myself and I spent about another three hours at a, at a even better time because I could a little more relaxed this time and by myself. And uh, that's when the light bulb went on um, about the organization and me being able to put something together. Mm-hmm. So you've only been shooting for 16 years then? About six years. Yeah. Since okay. 2015. Yeah. Okay. Six years. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay. That is uh, really neat because obviously um, a lot of my background for the last uh, probably close to almost 30 years now, I've been uh, shooting, which um, puts me into I don't know, the experience category. You know, I've been, been around oh, yeah. for a little bit and there's not, not much I haven't shot, but um, right. I talked to somebody who just recently became active in guns and then also go, going along and, uh, you know, embracing it so quickly to found a national organization. That's really great. Really great. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I'll tell you what, Phil, um, going to talk about national, uh, African-American gun association. Can you give us a little bit of the background on that? I mean, obviously, you know, 2016 when you, uh, you know, started it, but you know, what, where did you see the need and what, what does that fill in, in the communities and things like where those uh, groups are at? It's funny when I, when I was at that gun range, that second time, that second week and the light bulb kind of went on, I said to myself, if me being an African-American, a black man, could have this much fun with no experience. I know I just knew in my heart of hearts, other members of my, of my community could have as just as, as much fun or more. They just need somebody to give them that push or a bridge that they can walk on, walk through or walk over that would make them comfortable. So I said, let me put together an organization that spoke to us culturally, put some t- information about the black history of arms. We talked about um, the Tuskegee Airmen. We talk about the Buffalo Soldiers. We talk about African Americans that have done great things, you know, defending the country and, and defending their communities that they could relate to. Secondly, I really wanted to have uh, a centerpiece of the best training possible on the planet for our folks. So I put together a structure where we have very good seasoned firearm instructors that would be able to come to those communities and train our folks which I've been able to do very, very uh, well. We have over a hundred chapters now and each chapter has a certified instructor in those chapters. Um, I think most organizations don't do this enough. We talk about laws. We talk about regional laws as well as national laws. We talk about HR8. We talk about HR1446. We talk about the ghost uh, uh, gun. Uh, we talk about red flag laws. Everybody that has a gun should know, at least at a very minimal level, something about those laws, because those laws can dramatically affect how you interact with your firearm at an intimate level. <laughs> so I think it's it's very, very important that we talk about it. And at NAGA, we do that. We have moments and in, in times of, uh, of during our meetings where we talk about, OK, this is the proposed laws uh, at, uh, um, that Congress is looking at right now. You need to know what a red flag law is. Not in from a being a, an attorney, but you need to have need to have a basic understanding of it, and we do that. So we took those three aspects of law, training, and cultural connection, and kind of mixed it together, and we came out with the National African Gun Association, and an association that really reaches out to our communities in a very legal and lawful way to instruct our folks about firearms. 
And about 70, 75% of our folks that come through the door are typically what we call newbies. So all this information, they're brand new to them. Are they, they shot so long ago that they forgot what a trigger looks like. And they're being reintroduced to the farm. So we've been able to have a lot of success. Um, we're averaging about 1,000 new members every month right now uh, nationally by sticking to education, training, and mixing in, with, mix, mix, mixing in the, the fact that you have to understand the, the national laws as well as regional laws when it comes to, to, when it comes to um, gun ownership. Uh, that's that's uh, really great. Uh, great. Great founding uh, for that. Uh, yeah. Uh, you said you got you get over a thousand uh, people a month. That is uh, quite a quite a draw, to say the least. Yeah, we're doing we're doing pretty good, and we're trying to stick. You know, I'm I'm not going to lie, I'm not going to act like I've done this before because I haven't. I but I do have enough sense to realize that when you understand what you can and can't do in your in your limitations, that makes you a more I I think a productive and more effective leader. Um, so all the time you hear me say, I don't know how to do that. Explain that to me. Help me understand. I always say that because I don't want to act like, even if I think I know something, I still might say, explain it to me just to make sure I understand. Um, because if I say one thing that's out of place or incorrect, it has, you know, it, it can be uh, magnified, you know, with somebody saying, Hey, the leader of NAGA doesn't know what he's talking about. So I always try to act like I'm learning. And I think that that's why the organization is in a better place. Mm -hmm. On the uh, chapter events, when the, uh, those that are sponsored and everything, you're talking mm -hmm. about the education, law, uh, training, and the culture. But yes, is this just one of those things where somebody comes for you know a couple chapter meetings are done, or um, you know, do you have a progressive uh, type of training to where you help people you know understand over multiple meetings, multiple years? Actually, that, that's a very good question, and we kind of mold this around within our, our executive team. What we're trying to do is avoid just what you just mentioned. Somebody coming in for just a couple of meetings and then kind of walk away and say, you know, I got enough out of it. We want you to, we want, we want NAGA to be your home when it comes to firearm. We want you to sit down and slowly, because you can't learn anything, I think, of, 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 of substantial level of skill set in two meetings. I don't care how fast of a learner you are, you cannot become an expert shooter in two attempts on the range, mm -hmm. um, maybe two years, <laughs> you know, of, of constant training, but we want people to come every month, um, learn about the farms and every, just to let you know, we typically meet every chapter on the third Saturday of each month nationally. Some have different times, but typically from 10 to about one o'clock, all NAGA chapters on the third Saturday of each month meet. Um, and we have a general theme we talk about. Um, one theme, one week might be, one month might be, we're going to we'll talk about muzzle management. The next month it might be, you know, isosceles versus Weaver. That's a big debate. What's the best gun for home defense? Of course, you go back to um, shotgun versus a pistol or is AR-15 the best home defense that you can have if you're a single lady? So we have those discussions, we have those themes. And what we have found is that when you have a theme that everybody can kind of interact with, even if you're not a gun expert, but you understand the gist of the discussion, they can participate. And when people start participating, that ramps up their, their potential to be a permanent member. So our, our sessions are very interactive. You'll see our, our chapter president saying, okay, what do you think about the, the red flag law? John, Joe, whatever. And that person has, even though, even though they might be a new person, based on what they've heard, they can at least give some, some information. And that helps, solid, you know, makes our base solid and helps the organization grow because we're very pragmatic um, very simple in the approach, but is it's highly effective. 
because people really get a lot out of being able to interact in a classroom setting before they go out in the range. As you know, because you're an instructor yourself, when you go out to the range, everything's pretty much the same. You know, the, 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 the basics are the same. The fundamentals are the same. The guns might be different, but you're shooting pretty much the same if, you, if you've been trained properly in terms mm-hmm. of hand pistol grip or grip of, of your rifle, um, eye, eyes, uh, optic alignment, all that basic stuff you already, already talk about. But prior to getting to that point, we really engage them and get them excited about the organization. Uh, we also let them know that we have a Women's Day um, for just the women on Sundays also. And the ladies like that a lot. Um, one of the st- strong points of NAG is that we have a huge female base uh, of women that have um, really joined and continue to grow- join up until this day um, based on what they're, they're looking for. Because, as you know, ladies, and I'm, I'm married like most guys. Women like to do things in groups. They shop together. They talk about men together. <laughs> they, they, they even cook together sometimes, you know, and love and God forbid, if you get on their bad side, they will get their friends and they will, you know, talk about you in front of your face together. So um, um, women have been really, really uh, an exciting new uh, surprise for, for Naga because they're so active and they're, and they're so engaged. They don't come with the typical the luggage or baggage that men have because, you know, guys are kind of macho. We think we know it all. We got an ego. Yeah, we oh, we got that big, we got that go. big ship, you know. You mm-hmm. can't tell me I'm, I was in the uh, Marines, you know, twenty years ago. I I you know I've done this over in Afghanistan. I was over in the second, you know, blah blah blah. But the women come with a different, little more approachable attitude. I, I think. Yeah. Well, I, you know, as you were talking about how the chapter meetings go, yeah, I, I think that what you what that format is so great for because as an instructor, one of the things that I'm constantly reminding people on when they're coming to classes is what I tell you today can be 100% correct. And all of a sudden laws change next month or next year. And if you're not staying up on those, it makes such a big difference. Um, just look what's happening around the countries. I mean, you've got different States that are passing magazine limits. You have different States that have different, um, ammunition, uh, limits such as New mm-hmm. Jersey where their hollow points are yeah. possession of hollow points are is a felony. And that's just in today in a year or two, it could either be better or it could be worse. And if you don't go along and stay up with that, um, you're putting yourself and your family in jeopardy because you could end up, um, you know, getting arrested for not hurting anybody, but because they found you in possession of the wrong magazine or the wrong ammunition, or the flip side could be, you could be going someplace and think you can't do that. And then all of a sudden, you know, you find yourself at a uh, disadvantage just because you didn't know that you could carry more than 10 rounds in that state, those, those types of things. So that's, uh, that's, that's really great. A lot of our chapter presidents, just to kind of coattail what you said, we have, uh, they'll, they'll have a discussion and then they'll, ask typically a new person and they do this for, for, for a specific reason. And they'll put a, 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 a blue gun down in front of everybody. It's always a blue gun and say something like, okay, before you grab that gun, what can you, what can't you do with that gun? And what can you do with that gun in this city, in this state, give me pretty much everything that you know. And of course a new person will go like, I don't know, but then they'll turn to someone who's a seasoned NAGA member and then Niagara member just run down the, you know, everything that they can do as far as concealed carry, open carry. I can put it in my car. It's considered part of my domicile. You know, our, our people are pretty, mm-hmm. pretty versed and we make sure that they are. And that's the essence of the organization. Not to embarrass, you know, the new guy, of course, or the, or the new lady, but to let them know that, hey, you got to learn a little bit more before you touch that gun. You should know everything that you can and cannot do with it. 
aside uh, yeah. from the four general universal rules. Yeah. I mean, you know, can you take it into a bar? You know, because yeah. pe- a lot of times people say, no, you don't take guns in the bar. And it's like, yes, you're right. But a lot of, con- a lot of uh, cities or states, I should say, you know, give liquor permits like grocery stores and, and yeah, right. restaurants. And all of a sudden, like, well, that's not exactly a bar, but depending upon the state's definition, you may or may not be able to carry there. You may not Correct. be, you know, you know, be able to take it in church. You may all these different situations. And that's where it's a ever changing, uh, groundwork, uh, here in Ohio, I've had my concealed carry permit since 2004 or so. Okay. And I can name one law after another that has uh, changed now in good way. They've been, they've been positive changes, but it's yeah. one of those things that if I was doing the same thing in, in 2000 and 21, as I was doing in 2005, such as you couldn't have a concealed firearm in a car in Ohio in 2005, it had to be in plain sight. People look mm-hmm. at you like you'd be crazy, you know, that I, that I put my pistol on the dashboard and have it slide around. But that's yeah. literally the way it was back in 2005. Again, we've changed it, but it's yeah. just one of those examples where you've really got to stay on top of it. You have and to, you have to, you know, that's the law. You go along and think about what's changed in the last uh, 20 years when it comes to firearms. 20 years ago, everybody was either shooting a revolver, you know, Smith and Wesson double action yeah. kind of revolvers yeah, they a, were. or SIG, uh, uh, double action, single action, uh, uh pistols. You had mm-hmm. some people carrying Glocks with strikers. Now you go along and in the last 10 years, you've had Springfield, you've had SIG, you've had, uh, Smith and Wesson all come out with striker fire type of pistols. And I would say predominantly, you know, striker fire type of pistols are the ones that are being used today. And if yeah. you hadn't kept up with that, you could still be carrying around your, your six shot detective special revolver. <laughs> it would still work, but you're putting yourself at a severe disadvantage. Now, because of the weight, as well as, you know, the ability to use it. And that's no different, you know, just circle it all around. If you haven't trained with your equipment, you don't know your holster. You don't know how to, you know, properly shoot it. You don't know how to properly reload it quickly. You know, you're not going to go along, rise to the occasion when you're under a lot of stress. You're going to go along and and basically uh, go to the level of your training. And if you haven't yeah. reloaded, then hopefully you don't have to reload because that's going to be a very hard task for you to perform under the stress of, of a violent confrontation. Correct. So, I, I absolutely agree. Yep. And those are all things that I, you know, I, that's, that's great. I mean, my hat's off to you, Phil, for uh, going along, building an organization that touches on so many of those uh, points there that like i said i've reminded my my students about that all the time but i didn't create an organization about it yeah and, and to, to kind of add one more thing i think people really underestimate the importance or the the effectiveness of dry fire practice at home mm-hmm. it just see you could be watching tv just going through the the, the motions of you know pull, pulling your holster you know pushing it out and going doing that over and over again until it becomes you know something you don't even, you have to think about because like you said under pressure you go automatically to the level of your training and if your training as non-existent well you're going to be pretty much non-existent in that gunshot or that gunfire mm-hmm. uh, yeah and, you know can can somebody step up to the plate in a major league stadium and hit a home run yes can most of us do that no but yeah. um you know you look at all the major league baseball players they've got batting cages at their houses you know, golf pros have, oh, yeah. you know, uh, you know, putting ranges and, and golf ranges, you know, in their backyards, NBA. I mean, it doesn't matter who the professional is. 
they real they don't play a game every single day, but you can make darn sure that they they get out on the basketball court and they sit there and do shots, you know, for an hour or two at a time, or they start they go through the mechanics. They go through the mechanics absolutely yeah, because it's a it's a you know biomechanical type of thing. You got to have that feel for what what feels right, so you can put the right touch on it, get the ball to drop just where you want, so you can go along and hit the ball, um, putt it properly, whatever the sport is, uh, you know, for a shooter. It's dry fire because we can't get out there and shoot every single moment of the day, but we can go out in our house, make sure it's in a safe area and use our firearms to get those uh, good trigger reps in draws in uh, everything we need. And uh, that, that makes a safer, uh, more responsible shooter because we know what to expect if we have to use that at the appropriate time. Yeah, definitely. Um, what kind of train is there any I know you were talking about every uh, every chapter meeting they do some amount of training but do they just go over the basics all the time or or have you uh, developed some advanced uh, training for people that once they get their pistol skills their AR skills under their belt that they can start learning how to how to do do other skills with it one of the things we've been really blessed with that we have a, a huge enormous amount of folks from the military in law enforcement. We have a lot of SWAT guys that have joined our organization and they're, they're active chapter presidents. Now, for those guys that are doing the tactical stuff at you know, breaching rooms and that high level stuff, um, which really is impractical for the normal citizen, like even for myself, they what we call one-offs and they'll have a special session that, that, that they do that high-end stuff. But 90% of our stuff is for the average Joe that just wants to if somebody breaks in a house at night. They just want to know how to have a gun ward off that, that intruder. Um, so the high end, more advanced stuff is it, it's there because we've got, you know, obviously the people that, that can do it, but that's really kind of pushed to this, to the edge of our, of our core purpose. Um, uh, we, are we built for that a little bit, but mostly our, our 90% of, as I said before, is, is, is for that normal, uh, average Joe that wants to learn how to shoot yeah. a gun. Well, and some of those specialized skills, uh, once people get comfortable and they know how to run yeah. their guns safely, they, yeah. they can seek out the kind of specialized training that would be more appropriate from that standpoint. And, and I'm a big advocate. I think three gun IDPA, um, are you, really you good PSA? ways. Yep. Yeah. You know, um, you can really learn under, under duress a little bit. It doesn't, you know, duplicate an actual gun shooting situation, but it gets, you know, pretty close and it lets you know what your transitional skills are, you know, and all that good stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. All those, uh, events allow you to go along, really stress test you without being in, in that stress yeah. for a situation, yeah. which obviously all of us hope that we never are in, but we want to make sure that we will, we've got the training when that comes along. Oh yeah. God forbid that that happens. Uh, um, what kind of, uh, events? does uh, Naga put on every, every year I see on your website, they do, you've got national Naga events. What, yeah. What are we've some been, we've, you know, as I said, in 2015, when we first started, we, we've kind of grown and grown. And finally last year, pre COVID, we were all set to go to have the first um, uh, national convention for an African-American organization for firearms organization. We had about five or 10,000 people coming across the country. It was, it was all set to go. Then COVID hit and, wiped us out, <laughs> shut us down. We lost our refund, everything. So, um, we have revamped that. So August, just let you know, August 14th of this couple months from now, a month and a half, we're going to have our leadership conference, which is going to be our first conference, just our leadership. And it's going to be a meeting on the business of NACA, how we're doing, what we need to do to, you know, establish best practices, um, things that we're not doing well. Let's talk about it. Things are doing well. Let's do more of it. And we, it's just an open 
what we call family discussion with our, our chapter presidents, our chapter regional directors, our executive team, and our board of directors, and just have an honest conversation to ourselves and to our members. How are we doing? What are we doing wrong? What are we doing better? Where can we improve? Um, so that's what that's going to be about. But fast forward a year from now to 2022, in August, we're going to have our, our, our national convention, and it will be the first uh, national convention for a uh, African-American firearms organization in the history of the U.S. So that's going to be huge. We're going to have every media outlet you can think of. We're going to have guest speakers. We're going to have everybody coming in, and we're probably going to get anywhere from five to 10,000 folks coming in to have a good time. Do you have a location for it yet? Yes, we have. We've got it reserved. <laughs> you, Which costs you, a pretty yeah, it's Georgia <laughs> International, uh Georgia International Um Convention Congressional Convention, GICC. Uh and I apologize that I don't know the exact wording to okay. your to your listeners. But it I'm, will be in Atlanta. I am gonna go along and uh you, you better come. You better come and uh see if I can make that work. Um so that was you'll, uh, you'll really enjoy good. yourself, I tell you. Yeah, well, I've, I've always had fun being down in Atlanta, so I would uh, <laughs> I would expect nothing less. <laughs> and I, in fact, uh, the one thing I'll throw out there, I w- I've got it pulled up on the website right now. Your membership is uh, only twenty nine dollars a year, and uh, at yeah. the end of uh, the podcast, I am going to uh, go along and hit the join button and uh, send my membership over. And I will say this: we are adjusting those numbers, the membership pricing next week. So now's the best time to join. Okay. Have some uh, enhancements to the mem- to the basic membership package. So um, uh, when I started the organization, I wanted to keep the pricing really low, uh, to make it attractive um, as a new organization. But I think we've kind of proved ourselves to a certain level, and I think what you're getting from the organization merits uh, any improvements that we need that, that we need mm-hmm. to make. Talking about membership, are there uh, dues on the local chapter level? Also, it depends. We don't um, really force that upon a chapter if a, if a chapter says hey phil i understand the national dues but for us to function we need to uh have some type of uh local chapter do dues now obviously all the chapters talk to us about you know what that rate might look at and it's different your chapter due in mississippi is going to be far different from your chapter dues in new york based on you know the cost mm-hmm. um, but we certainly don't, one thing i don't want to do and i'll say this as the national president I don't want our members gouged. Um, we, you lose credibility. You lose um, people having respect for the organization if they think you're just taking money from them for the sake of just taking money. Um, we have to be about integrity. We have to hold that line regardless of the temptations that are out there. Um, and that's something the organization has done really, really well thus far, um, making sure that if we see a chapter having difficulties making that decision, we'll come in and say, hey, you live in Missouri. I think, you know, chapter dues for the year, $25 is enough based on what you, where you live at and what you're trying to, to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something we're not trying to be overbearing. We're not trying to be big brotherish, but we have to protect the brand of the organization um, mm-hmm. by let, making sure that, you know, if we have somebody out there trying to say, hey, your chapter dues are $100 a month, that's, that's going to be stopped immediately. Yep. Well, I think one thing too, where, uh, you know, the dues always balance out if you can go along and get a good good number of people coming in, then you don't have to have high dues. You, uh, they take care of themselves. Obviously you got got 50 people. You might be a hundred dollars a piece, but if you could get yourself 500 people, then you can do it at $25 a person. So yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's uh, $29 a year is very economical from a uh, national dues and uh, chapter dues of, you know, 
similar to that wouldn't be bad, bad at all for it. So that's really great. Really great. Hey, uh, Phil got a real question for you because being the firearms trainers podcast, we're our audience are firearm trainers and instructors out there. And I'm sure a lot of them are sitting there thinking in the back of their mind, besides your annual conference next year, how can they get involved and help, uh, the organization as a whole? I will say this. If you're an instructor and I don't care what color, what gender, please look at the African-American community. We have increased our numbers by 58% just last year. And prior to that, we were really joining uh, the NAGA and becoming more involved with the Second Amendment as a whole. So the narrative is slowly changing within the black community when it comes to firearms. And what that means is for someone who is a certified, I stress certified firearms instructor, doesn't matter what certification it's coming from, as long as you can prove that you're certified, um, please connect with a local NAGA chapter. And, 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 and speak to the chapter president, see if there's a need that you can fill. And typically it's going to be, yes, come on like yesterday. And that will certainly embrace uh, your services because we need, we need certified instructors that care about our community first and foremost, that are trying to um, embrace uh, what we're trying to do and, and they buy in. The one person we're not looking for, we're not looking for the macho guy or the diva woman that comes in and, you know, I'm, I'm a former SEAL 6 member and I know the way to do it. We're not looking at that. We're looking for community-based decisions that collectively help help our members out. That's what we're looking for. Um, instructors that have, have an understanding of our community from a community standpoint and are nurturing. I want to use that word. It might sound like it's a little odd, but we need folks that can nurture these newbies coming in the door. Because as I mentioned, most of our folks are new. So those first engagements in that classroom meeting or especially on the range, because that's when the metal meets the road. We need instructors who are sensitive to someone that might have never touched a gun before. And they might do something uh, stupid or more importantly, say something stupid. I ask you a stupid question and we need somebody who's sensitive and say, hey, you know what? A blue gun is different from a real gun. I know you may not know that, but I'm here to tell you that. And that can be done in a very demeaning way or it can be done in a very empowering way. Say, hey, there's no problem. Blue guns, are they're not real, but they, they look like a gun. And we use them for training purposes only. So when we first go out in the range, we're going to use a blue gun. So there's no bullets involved, but it does look like a gun. Um, so th- those are the kinds of things that we're really con- instructors that have a sensitivity toward folks, a lot of folks that have never really been exposed to firearms. Um, and that's more than the, the, the cultural differences. That's more than um, economic differences, you're dealing with a lot of new folks that are new to the firearms and interacting with them in a very positive way. Well, that's uh, really good. And I hope, uh, I hope the, uh, listeners out there will, uh, look up their local chapters, uh, while you were talking about that, I, uh, found there's actually a chapter here in, uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. And, uh, okay. so I will be reaching out to them and, uh, after I join, obviously, and, um, Seeing, seeing how I can help them there. Um, yeah, yeah, helping, help, helping uh, everybody, you know, with the Second Amendment, knowing the rights and responsibility is, right. um, you know, part of what I would call my mission uh, in teaching. You know, it's just, uh, not about going along and, uh, you know, teaching CCWs, but making sure people realize their rights and their responsibilities with it. So that's really good. And I, w- I want to mention, as you, you brought up some really brilliant there, I think people uh, that don't, really keep up with the second amendment issues understand that and i'm not trying to be over the top when i say this 
that if the Second Amendment is removed from us or taken from us, guns go right with that. So we need to fight vehemently in a nonpartisan political way because we're not political, but we will advocate for our fight against those policies that are going to take away uh, our ability to have a firearm in our homes. So that's another thing that, that, that our folks are starting to do. They're starting to understand the nuances of gun rights versus uh, gun violence and understanding the messaging that's coming with that and the confusion sometimes that the deliverer, uh, whoever they might be. Uh, so that, that's really important as well. Yeah, I think if uh, some uh, when people were confused when I was talking about, you know, knowing the different state laws about, you know, what you can carry, magazine capacities and type yeah. of bullets and things like that, if you're not if you're listening to this and not familiar with how uh, much of a patchwork of laws we have uh, across the nation, uh, educate yourself because that's one of the big things that uh, I try to go along. I don't know them all, but I try to make sure people realize and know where they can find the laws because the last thing I want to hear is uh, somebody traveling through Illinois and breaks a oh, law. Yeah. They, they end up yeah, uh, yeah. you know spending the, spending the weekend in jail or something else like yeah. that as an instructor that kind of hurts my heart because I know they didn't mean anything, but the law is the law and ignorance yeah. is not a yeah. uh, defense for it. It is not. It is not. Well, hey, Phil, one last question uh, sure. that I've been asking all our uh, guests this year. Can you recommend uh -huh. a book or instructor to the instructors that are listening? You think they should uh, go out and, and uh, either read or take a classroom? My, my, my favorite book is Negro and, and the Gun and by Nicholas Johnson. He's a Fordham uh, law professor. It's an excellent book for two reasons. One, it talks about the Second Amendment, and it talks about the African-American experience when it, as it relates to firearms. Now, obviously, being a black person, I think that resonates with me, but it also resonates with folks for anybody because it's really good reading. It's very solid and it's very informative. And I think anything that is intuitive in its nature um, as a book is something that we all should kind of gravitate to. And that, so that, that's my favorite book right now. And, and it's a very short read too. I mean, it's, it is it's, very short. It, it's, it's not one that you're going to take weeks reading. No, no, yeah, not I, at all. Not at I've all. read it and uh, like it also, because let's put it this way. It does give you um, being a non that African-American, it gives me a perspective of, you know, where things were in this country overall Correct. and Correct. appreciation for that, which is uh, good. Yeah. Great. Really appreciate that. Um, where can instructors find more information about uh, Philip Smith and National Amer African-American Gun Association? Yeah, this code, our website, it's www.naaga.co. Go to the website, read everything there. And if you're interested in connecting with the organization, um, Please join. We we love we would love to have you. We never get enough instructors. <laughs> you can never get enough of those. Uh, regardless of where you're at in the country, we might probably have a chapter somewhere close to you. My um, states now are 40 states out of 50, so we have chapters in about every. We have members in every state, but we have chapters in just about every state as well. And we're just needing good folks. Um, we're not looking for people that can shoot really good. We're looking for instructors that are really good. That that just so happen to shoot very well. Um, and I just want to emphasize the sensitivity um, and understanding that that uh, is needed is, is, is really important for instructors when they come into NAGA. Because we're looking for folks, as I said before, that really want to nurture like you're like you're growing something from its very beginning to to full um, bloom. And when it comes to our shooters and we need instructors that, that have that understanding of how to make people feel comfortable at the same time when they might be making a mistake. And that's an art like you, you've done it for years because you know, you're very ex experienced, but some instructors still don't get it. They think that, you know, if you 
come down hard on them, you know, in kind of a military type of format that'll really shake them up or yell at them a little bit on the range where they're just kind of shaking. That's not a good look for a, a lady, especially who's the first time on the range. She'll never come back. Our yeah, this, guy for that this, this isn't boot camp, and at the same time, no. you know, I'll go back to what you were talking, Phil. Um, you know, you got complete newbies. So completely. completely. They may make a mistake. And we may go along in the back of our mind, say they should be thrown off the range and not given a gun. But at the same time, we've also got to look at it from the standpoint of this is a person who came here. They're trying to better themselves and they made a uh, newbie kind of mistake. We've all made mistakes. And that's where you got to have that empathy and realize that, hey, um, you know, maybe walk them outside the range, have that, you know big brother, big sister kind of conversation with them and then look yep. them square in the eyes. Okay. Can we go back in there? And you know, you understand why we, you know, why we don't go along and put our hands in front of the muzzle or why we don't go along and load the mag load, the uh, guns back at the ready line, you know, those kind of things that make, you know, instructors hairs kind of stand up on the back of their neck, but you, you need to have that mentoring kind of attitude and not, not a um, attitude where you're going to throw them off the range immediately. You know, obviously there's a time and place, but, uh, if something goes really bad, but you've got to have that, that ability to, uh, emphasize with them. And also, as you say, mentor them. I'll say this and, and I'll shut my mouth. I saw a couple, just a couple of weeks ago at the range, I'm at the far right in the very last lane. I, I think I had 12 lanes. I'm in the 12th one, you know, lane number 12. And an instructor was teaching a, a, a kid and, and, and a mother, teenager and a mother. And the kid dropped the, as an example, dropped his, uh, his magazine and it fell on, on the actual range. The firing line. And he, his, his natural instinct was to run out there and get it. And lucky the instructor just grabbed him by the shirt very firmly and said, no, hot range. You don't do that. We have to mm-hmm. pull range and shut it down. Um, but we don't ever go out. And he did it in such a way. It was like, he didn't, he scared the kid to a certain degree, but they let him know that we don't do that. And it was a very, um, nurturing, very nice. And, uh, but at the same time, he was very firm saying, look, we don't, you can get killed going out there. And uh, I thought that was a good instructor and that's, we need more of that. So. Well, that's great. Well, Phil, thanks for your time today. And, uh, I look forward to being a member of Naga here in the next uh, 30 minutes. All right. Welcome, brother. <laughs> like <laughs> we always say, welcome, welcome, welcome to the family, man. <laughs> That's a wrap for this episode. And we have a few requests. Visit podcast.concealedcarry.com to enter in for our weekly prize giveaway. Remember, you can't win without entering and your entries do not carry over from week to week. This week's podcast winner is Daryl A. And he won a Legal Boundaries by State book. Congratulations, Daryl. Next week, we are giving away a Ready Up Gear Spark Flashlight. Great one that I carry every day, as a matter of fact. Visit podcast.concealedcarry.com to enter in for this week's prize giveaway. Remember to check out our website, and you can search on various topics from marketing to instructor training at firearmstrainerpodcast.com. And you can also leave us a comment on the episode there for us to read. Visit our sponsors, especially the Firearms Trainers Association at ftaprotect.com and check out their instructor insurance. Being a responsible instructor means having insurance coverage. Remember, use promo code FTP10 for 10% off. Check out the Guardian Conference on September 17th and 19th in Oklahoma City for an opportunity to take training from some of the best trainers in the nation. Price includes breakfast and lunch. I plan to be there, as well as many of the other guests that you've heard on previous podcasts. Go to guardianconference.com for more information. 
you have any ideas for new episodes, suggestions on guests to have, or feedback, please email me at ftp at concealedcarry.com. And we also want to ask you, share a podcast on social media so other instructors can get the same great information you're getting from this podcast. Trainers need to constantly keep up on information, and I hope our podcast is doing that for everyone. We bring this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Stay safe, everyone. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.